going to spend just a few moments um, looking in the book of Matthew. So if you brought your Bibles, Matthew chapter 1 might be helpful if you have your cell phones today. You can use the Bibles off of that since the light's a little darker, but we'll let you choose however you like. Um, we're going to look at the birth of Christ where the angel comes to Joseph and talks to him about Mary and what has happened with her. And so I'm going to go ahead and read Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, and we're going to read to the end of the chapter. And I am going to ask that we would stand. I know you have family and kids and some of you are holding them, but we're going to stand as we read the Word of God, because that's what we do here in honor of God. Chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, when Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she, gave, until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus." You all may be seated. Um, so I, I kind of just titled this um, The Scandal or Mystery. And so we're going to look at how there's a scandal at the birth of Christ and how there's mystery in the birth of Christ. In the first century, when a couple became engaged, uh, they entered into what was a betrothal. And some of you may have heard this. A betrothal is very similar to our engagement today, except much more serious. In fact, it, it was almost as if they had already been married, which is why Joseph, when he finds out that Mary may have been unfaithful, says, I'm going to divorce her. And so that's how serious a betrothal is. So it's a much stronger commitment than our engagement, but it's the same similar concept there for us today. So here in, in chapter 1 of Matthew, Mary and Joseph are betrothed, and then eventually, because of biology, it becomes apparent that Mary is pregnant. She begins to have that bump, and so questions are beginning to be asked. And according to Deuteronomy 22, at this point, Mary could be stoned. She could easily be put to death. She's been unfaithful, and therefore, what they ought to do in order to maintain holiness, they ought to take her uh, into the middle of the town where the townsmen will come, they will grab stones, and they will kill her as a mark of saying, we do not do this. This is not pleasing to our God. We uphold holiness here. But Joseph decides not to do this. Now, we're not told why he decides not to do this, but simply that he has chosen not to do this. He's going to divorce her quietly. So Mary will, ever, will forever be shamed. She'll ever be known as the whore who had a child out of wedlock. And Joseph is simply trying to get out of the situation. And so that's the scandal that takes place as, as Jesus is coming to be born. And then there's mystery also, because in verse 20, we see that an angel then comes and visits Joseph. And my daughter knows this very well. If you were here last week, we had the Christmas uh, children's play, which was amazing. And I think we have some, maybe some videos of that going around. But the, the line 
she's not going to say it today because she, she's half alive because she's sick, um, but was uh, Joseph, son of David. Do you remember? She remembers it. Joseph, son of David, you're to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And so she said it much cuter um, last week. But that's what we have happen now. In verse 20, the, jo- the angel appears to Joseph and says, Mary has not been unfaithful. I know it looks like she's been unfaithful, but she hasn't. In fact, he explains that the child that's in her has come to her through the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's really all that he says. And if you remember in Luke, when the angel Gabriel comes to tell Mary, says, you're going to have a child, and she says, how will this happen? And he simply says, well, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're not given more details. We would like more details, but God does not always see fit to give us more details. So we're simply told that the Holy Spirit is going to miraculously come upon Mary and breathe life into her womb just as he created life thousands of years ago out of nothing. Now he will create life in the womb of Mary. And that's, that's the mystery. We have a scandal of what it appears in the world, but the mystery is that Jesus will become born through a virgin. And so just like Mary, Joseph believes the angel and remains with Mary. Now now think about what Joseph is committing to here. Joseph is committing to adopt a child and forever become his earthly father. Joseph is committing to endure the shame of people thinking that his wife has been unfaithful. And every day they see Jesus, they will remind him that she was unfaithful. Joseph is committing to possibly embracing a lowly reputation for the rest of his life. But the danger is, we might get carried away with Joseph at this moment in the story, and we might become in awe of him. And that has nothing to do with what we're to be in awe of. The point of the story is not to be in awe of Joseph, but it's to be in awe of the fact that Jesus comes born of a virgin. She comes not through the normal ways of a man and a woman coming together, but simply through the Holy Spirit coming upon her. The mystery is not that Joseph marries Mary. That is not the mystery. Now it's neat and it's fun for us to look at that and wrestle with the commitment that he was making and try to think about the faith that he had right there. But the miracle is the fact that Mary is about to have Jesus, and she's a virgin. Now, why did Jesus have to become born in such a mysterious, scandalous way? Why couldn't he come through normal means? Well, the answer is found in his name, and that's what happens. Right after the angel comes, he then says what the name of the child shall be. And in fact, uh, when we look at the Bible, names are extremely important. Names are not meaningless. In fact, if you have a child, you probably thought very carefully over the name of your child. And in the Bible, names not only identify the person, but they also reveal the person's character and often their purpose here on earth. And so if you think about it, Abraham means father of many. And so God changed Abram's name to Abraham when he made a covenant with him and said, you will become a father of a great nation. So that's what his name represents. Jacob means supplanter. And twice, Jacob takes the, um, the birthright that would belong to Esau, and Jacob takes that. Daniel means God is my judge. And if you remember, when Daniel and other Israelites are taken into Babylon, 
Daniel remains faithful to God, and so while it would have been easy to, easy to compromise and easy to begin uh, worshiping the many false gods that are in Babylon, he said, no, God is my judge, and I will worship him, and I will be faithful to him, for I will answer to him alone. And so when we come to the name of Jesus, it means something very powerful. In our passage, we're actually told the name of Jesus, or the name of the child, three times. In verse 21, the angel tells Joseph, the name of the child will be Jesus. And then he says why? For he will save people from their sins. Because the name Jesus means God saves. And so right there we know the purpose of Jesus coming. He's not coming on vacation here. He's coming to save people from their sins. And then in verse 25, again we're told the name of Jesus. This time we're told, and Joseph was faithful, he named his child Jesus when it was born, when he was born. But now, sandwiched in between these two names, God saves, God saves, there's another name that we come about. And often, there's these sandwiches that we find in Scripture. We'll have um, something similar here, another something similar, and then something in the middle and we're supposed to understand that and that's what we have here we have the name jesus god saves we have the name jesus god saves then we have a third or a second name right in the middle that god is drawing our attention to and in fact we're told that jesus is coming to fulfill the scripture and then he quotes isaiah chapter 7 and let me read that it says behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name emmanuel which means god with us now maybe you were in the book of isaiah today in your bible reading plan but you might not have been so i'll refresh your memory on where this prophecy takes place Judah is the southern kingdom at this moment, and it's about to be attacked by Israel, which is the northern kingdom, and Syria. So Ahaz is the, is the king of Judah, and he's scared, and all his people are scared because they have no way of defeating Israel and Syria. They know they're going to be defeated. They have no chance. And then Isaiah comes to them. He comes with a message from God, and he says, you will not be defeated, but God will save you. And then Isaiah says, and God wants to give you a sign. And he wants to give you a sign so that you will know for sure that God is going to save you. And so then Isaiah tells him, what sign do you want? Now, wouldn't that be cool? Don't you wish like that would happen one day? God comes and says, what sign do you want? That'd be fun. You should think about that. What would you choose later? But Ahaz says, I would not choose a sign. I would never test God. Now, it sounds very pious when he says that, and when you read it, it sounds pious. But he's not being humble. He's not worshiping God. In fact, the reason he won't choose a sign is because he doesn't actually think God will save them. So his refusal actually really kind of shows us the spiritual atmosphere of Judah at that moment. There's great unbelief in God. And so there's unbelief, and they're about to be defeated by their enemies, and God says, no, I'm determined to act, and so I'm going to give you a sign. And the sign is, is that the virgin will have a child, and the child's name will be Emmanuel. So here, 700 years before the birth of Jesus, we're told that there's going to be a child that's going to come from a virgin, and, she will and the child will represent that God is with us, and we know we will be defeated or, and we know that the enemies will be defeated. Now, right after this, 
In Isaiah 7, we go to Isaiah 8, of course. And Isaiah marries a woman, and she has a child, which is probably the initial fulfillment of that. But now we read that there's a much greater fulfillment that takes place now in the birth of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ comes, and he's born actually of a virgin who remained a virgin throughout, his entire, throughout the entire birth process. And so that is how Jesus is now fulfilling this prophecy. And Jesus is not just a sign that God is with them, but he is actually God with us. I hope you know that. He's not just a sign that God is with us. He is God with us. And it's because God is with us that we go back to the name Jesus and we say it's because God is with us that's how he's going to save us from his sins. So remember, we have God saves, God saves. In between that is God with us. And it's because God is with us that's how he saves us. That's the, por- that's the point of having the names, the way they're positioned there in Matthew. And this is why Jesus comes. He comes to save us from our sins. Again, he came on a mission. He came with purpose. Christmas is when we celebrate the fact that Jesus enters into humanity as the God-man. That's the mystery of Christmas. We have a child born of a virgin, and he's 100% God, 100% man. That's why Jesus had to be born in a scandalous way. That's why he wasn't born like you and me. But he was born in a very unique, very miraculous way, a very scandalous way, because he comes unlike any of us, but yet like us, because he is man, and yet he is also God. Because in order for us to be saved, in order for us to have our sins forgiven, we needed someone to stand before us, for us before God. We needed someone who's perfectly righteous, And we needed someone who's able to represent us. And right there, that rules out all of us because none of us are righteous. We needed God to be able to represent, to be able to stand before us. But we needed a man to represent us. That's why in the Old Testament, goats and lambs and all those things, they were never perfect sacrifices. That's why they had to keep being made over and over and over again. Because we needed the perfect sacrifice. The one who's not only righteous, but the one who's also able to represent us. That's Christmas. That's what we celebrate when Jesus comes into humanity. That's what we celebrate when Jesus comes as a child, but also God. He is the God-man. That's why his birth's a scandal. That's why it's a mystery. And so as we celebrate Christmas, you have to remember, we're not celebrating a normal birth. Parents, You have to let your kids know, this is crazy what's happening here. It's unlike anything that's ever taken place, and it's unlike anything that will ever take place. We're celebrating that Jesus has come, that God is with us, so you and I and whoever believes in him would be forgiven of their sins, adopted into the family of God, that we would forever be with God. We would forever be with God. So there's a couple things that happen here. Christmas reminds us that we're sinners. You should let it be sobering. 
I think for one, we, we just enter into Christmas and we love the mistletoe and we love the garland and we love the lights, we love the candles, we love the trees, we love decorating the houses and we have joy and it's great and we should have immense joy. But it should also be sobering because the only reason Jesus came is because you and I are sinners and therefore we deserve the wrath of God. And Christmas reminds us that Jesus came to save us. So Christmas is celebrating that God has done the impossible because it was impossible for us to be saved. It was impossible for you and I to ever move ourselves out of the wrath of God, and that's why Jesus has come. And if we look at Scripture, what we'd find is that this was actually God's plan all the way in past eternity. Before he ever created, he planned to send his son. He's always planned that we would come and worship him through the risen Jesus Christ. That's always how he's planned it. Christmas is God declaring is God declaring his commitment to creating a people for his own possession. So whenever you doubt, is God really working? Whenever you doubt, is God really going to send his son to return? We come back to Christmas and we look at Easter and we look at these two historical moments and we know that God has sent his son and we know that his son came and died, and his son rose from the grave. And we know that if he did that, that he would create a people, we are confident he will return again. So anytime you have those doubts, you come back to Christmas, come back to Easter, and be reminded of the faithfulness of God. Be reminded that all of God's promises are yes in Jesus Christ. See, Christmas is not just some mundane holiday. Holiday, Like my kids, I ask them, why, why are you off school? What would you say, Ben? Do you remember? Why are you off school right now? Because it's, no, but you said it's winter break. And, and I don't care that our schools say that. I don't think we need to, like, go storm the doors. But we need to tell our kids it's not winter break. We're off because it's Christmas. Hi, Savannah. Are you ready for Christmas, Savannah? Me too. I love that little girl. She's so cute. Um, Christmas is not just about buying presents. Christmas is not just about decorating houses. Those are all good, and I pray that we do all of those things out of our celebration of Jesus. Not just to do them, but out of celebration that Jesus has come as the God-man that we would be saved. Because Christmas is celebrating the gracious gift that the God-man has come to save us from our sins. So I want to encourage you, especially if you're a parent here, I want to encourage you, take time tomorrow, take time tonight, even when you go back home, but take time tomorrow, walk through the Christmas story. Now maybe that sounds very, very difficult for you, and you're like, well, I don't really know where I'd start. You could read this passage that we just did in Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. You can ask Ivana, she'll help you. She knows it. But I encourage you, parents, walk your kids through it. Walk your kids through the story that they know Jesus is not just any normal birth. While he's like you and me, he cried. He was born like you and me. He cried. He celebrated things. He had birthdays. He tripped. He probably bloodied up his knees and so many other things. So he's just like you and me in that sense. But yet he's righteous, and he's perfect, and he's holy because he's the God-man. And we need to know that. And our kids need to know that. Because if Jesus did not come, we would not have Christmas. 
This is why we're having service tomorrow. As many churches are, I don't want to like put them down necessarily, but yet I'm kind of, we need to celebrate the birth of Christ. We need to gather as the church. The only reason we're a people is because Christ was born. That's the only reason. If Christ wasn't born, there would be no Easter. And so I, I encourage you to come tomorrow that we celebrate as his body, as his bride, the birth of the very one who has come that we would be saved. And so I pray you take time, celebrate the birth of Jesus tonight, even as a family um, at home. Do that tomorrow. Do that before you open the gifts. Be reminded that the gifts under the tree are good, and they're fun. We even opened a couple today. It's fun opening gifts, but nothing compares to the gift of Jesus, the gift of the God-man who has come that you and I would be forgiven of our sins. So I'm going to pray. The team's going to come up. And when we do the, the silent night, that's kind of the fun thing. And if you've never been a part of the candlelight, we light the candles. It's going to start in the front row. So Robert, you've got to be ready. And it's going to go all the way back. And eventually, after a few moments, it'll make its way all the way back to you. Let me pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you have sent the gift of hope. That you have sent Jesus Christ. That you have sent your Son to come to earth, that he would be the God-man, that he would represent us on earth, and yet he would be our perfect, righteous substitute, that he would stand in our place, receiving the wrath that we should have received, so that we can have absolute joy and peace in you, because we have been forgiven of our sins through the death of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray tonight that as we gather at home, and as we gather with our families tomorrow, we do not lose sight of the true meaning of Christmas, that your son, the God-man, has come to save us. And the reason he saves us is because he is God with us. Let us never forget that. You are with us. And now your spirit dwells within us that we would proclaim you here in 98503 and in every other part of the world also. To you be the glory and all honor and honor. In your wonderful name, Jesus, amen.